It seems every generation's great revolutionaries suffer from unfair imprisonment. Whose account was that tweeted from yesterday? It's not one of the young protesters in Iran who face the threat of execution. It's not one of the nurses striking for better working conditions today in New York. It's Andrew Tate, a manfluencer who sits in prison in Bucharest, Romania, accused of rape and human trafficking. Millions of people, mostly men, follow Tate for his brand of bullish optimism, unrepentant, even grotesque misogyny. And now it seems we can add self-pity to the mix. This man, who's had an outsized impact on the culture, is now facing criminal charges. And today, on Today Explained, we will examine who he is and what he tells us about who we are. A heads up, Andrew Tate says some terrible things about women, and we will use a small amount of that tape in this episode. If that's not for you, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Support for Che Explained comes from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. If you like spy thrillers or indeed Elizabeth Moss, then you might want to check out FX's The Veil. It's an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. Oh, I'll go. One woman has a secret, same here, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. It's Today Explained. I'm Noelle King. Rebecca Jennings covers internet culture at Vox, and last summer she wrote a piece titled You Can Ignore Andrew Tate. Her argument went thusly. Do you have children who know who Andrew Tate is? Talk to them. Are you an officer of law enforcement investigating his alleged crimes? Keep doing that. Otherwise, ignore him altogether. You'll be doing the world a favor. But this week, little man Tate is everywhere, not for some galling or deranged thing he said, but because he is now charged with real crimes. So I called Rebecca to ask, who is Andrew Tate? So Andrew Tate is an influencer in his 30s. His whole thing is telling young men how to be successful, basically. And in the process of doing so, he's deeply, deeply misogynistic. He's very proud of that fact. I will state right now that I am absolutely sexist and I'm absolutely a misogynist because I'm a realist. And when you're a realist, you're sexist. There's no way you can be rooted in reality and not be sexist. He shows himself smoking cigars, driving cars, surrounded by models in various degrees of undress. He has gotten really, really big on TikTok, YouTube, Twitter in the past few years, but has been banned on several of those platforms because of his extremely misogynistic comments. What kinds of comments? What, what sort of things does he say that make him a misogynist? Some of the things he said, um, you know, he would brag about assaulting women if she accused him of cheating. Ah, ah, you cheated, you cheated. It's bang out the machete, boom in her face, and then grip her up by the neck. Like, shut up, How he views women who are younger as more valuable because he can make an imprint on them. The reason 18 and 19-year-olds are more attractive than 25-year-olds is because they've been through lesbian. 
Oh. On a podcast episode once, he said that he had hit a woman and broke her jaw during a bar fight, but got away with it. And he said he moved to Romania because they're less likely to investigate charges of sexual assault. Okay, so misogyny plus. Uh, yes. How did this guy in his 30s get to where he is? These are statements that, I don't know, you, you might expect from a man's mouth 200 years ago. Right. Where did this guy come from? So he's kind of been trying to get famous for a long time. He grew up in the UK. Uh, his dad was a professional chess player. When you're playing chess, you take every single opportunity to exert power. That's how you win. He was into kickboxing for a while. Andrew Tate's arrogant, he's brash, he's bold, he's confident, but the speed of the King Cobra, venomous when he hits. And he went on Big Brother in the UK. Tate was a kickboxer, kicked off a UK reality TV show. Andrew has had to leave the Big Brother house because of a video where he appeared to attack a woman. But he claims that it was consensual. And from there, he and his brother founded this webcam business where he would lure women into living with him and then pressuring them to perform like online sex work, you know, where men pay to talk to you online. But he and his brother would pocket the money. And since then, he has operated this scheme where he tells young men how to, you know, become exactly like him, how to make money online doing like scam adjacent things like drop shipping and crypto investing. He's really good at going viral on TikTok because he has all of these flashy things. He has these exotic cars, all these models. He smokes cigars and like, you know, he looks like budget pitbull is what someone else <laughs> described him as. So he's good at getting attention, but in the worst way possible. Who does his message resonate with? So Andrew Tate has a lot of fans, pretty much all of them male, um, be it adult men or teenage boys or middle school-aged boys. Um, and most of the coverage has been on his influence with that demographic. You know, there are a lot of complaints online from teachers who say that boys in their classes who listen to Andrew Tate have just completely derailed any kind of discussion um, of anything political and that he's responsible for an uptick in sexist remarks and sexual harassment in schools. The amount of young 11-year-old boys that have told me that they love Andrew Tate is ridiculous. This man is really affecting the minds of young men. We've seen versions of this kind of guy, this kind of like manosphere type of like alpha male conspiracy theory, like everyone's out to get you, you can only like look out for yourself type of guy. They want you to do your job well enough for them to benefit, but they don't want you to think outside of that job. One of his main revenue sources is this thing called Hustlers University, uh, where people pay like 50 bucks a month to do these courses that he sells in order to, yeah, like figure out how to become rich online. The reason I started Hustlers University <laughs> is because I was arguing with someone about how pointless the modern education system is. And so naturally, the kind of people that that attracts are, you know, people that don't have a lot of money, who are maybe young, don't know what they're doing with their lives, maybe like are in a state of, you know, transition or looking for some kind of way out of their current situation. So naturally that, you know, often aligns with like younger men. We're talking about Andrew Tate in large part because late last month, uh, something happened to him. And in response to what happened, he tweeted the following, the Matrix sent in their agents. What happened? What was Andrew Tate referring to? 
So yeah, so on December 29th, uh, the Romanian police arrested him and his brother and two other suspects on charges of rape and human trafficking. Um, they allege that they have six victims of trafficking in which, you know, him and his brother would lure these women to these certain buildings or houses in Romania and sort of like under false pretenses, right? Like sort of like love bombing them, like saying like, okay, we're in a relationship now, whatever. And then once they're there, you know, they're under constant surveillance and they're forced by threat of violence to perform the sort of online sex work or online porn, which would then be distributed um, with the Tate brothers, you know, making all the money. Um, so this is obviously extremely serious stuff. And currently he's being detained for 30 days now. So end of January. These are very serious criminal charges. Mm-hmm. What has he said about them beyond that cryptic tweet? Yeah, like he keeps on just tweeting this same kind of stuff. Like, there are dark forces working against you. You must recognize them and you must fight back. So he's like kind of building this mythos that he's being witch hunted or he's some kind of a threat to this larger system where really, you know, he's a threat to these women who he's trafficking and assaulting. Two days before he was arrested in Romania, Andrew Tate tweeted at Greta Thunberg, the uh, climate activist. Tell me about that exchange. So uh, Tate tweets, Hello at Greta Thunberg. I have 33 cars. My Bugatti has a W16 8.0 liter quad turbo. My two, I don't know anything about cars. I'm sorry. (laughs) My two Ferrari 812 Competizione have 6.5 liter V12s. This is just the start. Please provide your email address so I can send a complete list of my car collection and their respective enormous emissions. And Greta responded... Yes, please do enlighten me. Email me at smallenergy at getalife.com. Okay, so he's trolling a teenage girl. Why did that make news? So so I believe this made news because, you know, Andrew Tate is already such a person who is good at courting attention and, and really riling up and angering people, as is Greta. <laughs> How dare you? So I, I think when you have these two kind of bastions of both sides being, you know, uber trolls and, and you know, being like Greta's response was pretty funny. And so that just makes for a fun news article. And then obviously what happened afterwards, because right after this, you know, his arrest took place, that made it even more prescient. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it was huge news. Andrew Tate has this enormous online following. Mm-hmm. How have social media companies responded to him? Right. I mean, so until Twitter reinstated him, he's been banned from Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, um, YouTube. He's not really welcome there anymore. But I think like the the real problem with that is that most of the Andrew Tate videos, at least on TikTok and, and probably elsewhere as well, they're not posted by him. They're posted by people who are fans of him. And so you can't really ban one specific person from the internet in a meaningful way when like, you know, you've already banned the user. There's not much more you can do to ban, you know, even images of that person. Hmm. So I think that's kind of the fundamental conundrum of him on the internet. How are the millions of people who find him compelling responding to the fact that he's been arrested on, again, very serious charges, not yeah. saying something offensive, not being a jerk? Yeah. Rape, sexual trafficking. Right. And I think it's the same kind of mindset where, you know, if you're being told that this guy is actually like, you know, he's misunderstood. He's not really a misogynist. He just says these things to get attention. And but he's really like saying, you know, important stuff about the value of hard work. But it's like if you're already able to kind of convince yourself 
as to like that's what's happening it's easy to convince yourself that like you know people are really out to get him you know these charges are fake you know like these things aren't actually happening it's all they all just like want him gone so they're making up these accusations andrew tate is evil because he encourages men to focus on positivity this is the real reason why they go after him there is an agenda to silence guys like andrew tate the romanian government is under intense pressure from the united states and big tech to shut him down and so, yeah, I think people who have already bought into the Andrew Tate mindset are very willing to believe that it is actually all fake. Last summer, you wrote a story about Andrew Tate, and the headline was, You Can Ignore Andrew Tate. Does this arrest change your mind on whether this man is somebody we should pay attention to? I mean, I think what the arrest has done is made it impossible to not pay attention to him because obviously these are very serious charges and, you know, he's a very influential uh, person, especially if you have young boys at home who spend a lot of time online or young girls who have to be around boys who spend a lot of time online. But beyond that, I think that whenever there's a meaningful feminist movement, as I think like a lot of this stuff is really just backlash to Me Too, there's going to be these people that profit off of that backlash. I mean, I don't think that we need to give this guy a ton of attention or pretend that he's some kind of genius uh, when, you know, he's just kind of capitalizing on something that's much more prevalent in culture. Since time immemorial, you've had like 12-year-old boys being like, oh, like women belong in the kitchen. And right now, the loudest voice in the room telling them that is Andrew Tate. Coming up next, we try our hardest to figure out why Andrew Tate appeals to millions of men. Support for Today Explained comes from Mint Mobile, the only cell phone that tastes good. When the deal is too good to be true, there's probably a catch, right? That incredibly cheap flight to Europe? You probably can't bring a bag or pick your seat or use the restroom. So when I tell you that Mint Mobile offers wireless plans for just 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, you're probably wondering, what's the catch? Well, according to Mint Mobile, there is no catch. According to Mint Mobile, it's only 15 bucks a month and their plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, you can go to mintmobile.com slash explain. That is mintmobile.com slash explain. You can cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash explain. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Do you know who Andrew Tate is? Yeah, dude, I love him. Would you be shocked if I told you you were the first pro Tate person out here all today? Yeah, nobody yeah, likes him anymore, dude. Cool. 
Andrew Tate. Scream my boy, Andrew, Andrew Tate. Yeah, scream my boy, Andrew Tate's the best. Tate. You got this, bro? Andrew Tate's the best, bro. It's Today Explained. We are back, this time with Robert Lawson. He teaches sociolinguistics at Birmingham City University in the UK. He's got a book coming out called Language and Mediated Masculinities. Robert, when did you become aware of Andrew Tate? Do you remember when this guy crossed your radar? So as part of my research, I'm interested in language and masculinity, particularly in media spaces. And so unfortunately, through my line of research, I have to spend time on the less enjoyable, less pleasant parts of the internet. So I kind of spend time on on Manosphere subreddits, Manosphere blogs, forums, and so on, kind of trying to understand how does masculinity get kind of configured and understood in these places. And I think it was in one of those forays that, that Tate originally popped up, and it would have probably have just been something that was linked to a Jordan Peter video or a Ben Shapiro video or a Stephen Crowder video, this kind of what's occasionally called the intellectual dark web. YouTube's kind of algorithms put it through to my front page and from there what YouTube's algorithms do and, and a lot of other social media sites do, they, they start to feed you more of the same content and ideas to kind of drive engagement, drive ad views in particular. It becomes you know, a kind of really dangerous pathway, if you like, from one form of content that might seem fairly innocuous through to potentially more extremist and more radical content. And I was sort of interested in, you know, why is this guy so popular? What is it that he's selling that people are buying? And you go on any YouTube video of them at all and you read the comments under the video and they're almost all universally positive praising Tate for you know how insightful how brave how inspirational he is and there's very few dissenting voices on those YouTube comments. As you watch the videos of Andrew Tate and listen to Andrew Tate talk to me about where your mind went on the question of this man appeals to millions of people why why is that? I think why he is so seductive to such a big audience is because the image of masculinity that he sells is is one that's very rooted in traditional male kind of characteristics and behaviours, power, control. He's very big on this idea of the alpha male, the, the man that's in control, that always knows what he's doing, that always gets what he wants, that has everyone kind of waiting for him, hand and foot, and sort of this idea that he's infallible. I think some men can see that as a particularly kind of attractive trait. But he's also big on kind of conspicuous for consumption. He lives a very jet-set lifestyle, you know, fast cars, private planes, mansions, expensive holidays away. And then he has, you know, I think really traditional and, and to my mind outdated views about what a relationship should look like, what the role of men and women in those relationships should be. And so the man is not just the kind of protector, but the patriarch, the provider. But what he says goes, it's his way or the highway. Women are only there to, you know, attend to the house, to look after the kids, to really be in service of the relationship. And and so I think my immediate reaction was probably one of sadness that this is the kind of image of masculinity that sells. What is it about the society that we're living in in 2023 that makes Andrew Tate acceptable and attractive to millions of men? So one of the sort of the best accounts that I've read as to why 
young men in particular find this kind of articulation of masculinity and someone like Tate advocating for it is Michael Kimmel's idea of aggrieved entitlement. And it's basically based on the idea that over the course of the last sort of 20, 30 years, the world has changed in a way that has decentered primarily young white men. And they've kind of moved from the center of society to the margins of society. Every single society that was successful since the dawn of human time was male-led, all of them. And then the last 30 years, they've come along and saying, let's put women in charge. It's going to be good for us. Well, I don't think it will be. And someone like Tate is attractive because he recenters young white men in a really obvious and, and very explicit kind of, of way and, and basically says you're important, you're needed, your masculinity is needed to fight against all of the changes that are happening in the world. The world is no longer for you or wants to invest in you. No longer are women reliant on men financially, emotionally. And I think that someone like Tate basically says, we will fight against that. And, and here's how we fight against that is by reclaiming this kind of sense of primal, traditional masculinity. And, and that's a story that goes all the way back to, you know, even the 1980s. Warren Farrell claims women drive men to prove themselves, so much that men have got themselves into a serious rut. And the only way out is a men's liberation movement. A lot of what Tate is saying, in some senses, isn't actually new. It's a re-articulation of a kind of crisis of masculinity discourse that we see back in the 1970s, back in the 1980s, through the men's movement led up by people like Robert Bly and so on, where it was this sense of sort of reconnecting with your own masculinity as a way of kind of fixing the world. I think he's only another entry in a long line of other men who have done something similar. Does your research show us anything about whether these young men who are impressed by Andrew Tate, who are seduced by Andrew Tate, are fundamentally hateful people, are fundamentally misogynist, or are they unmoored young men who are being taken for a ride by a misogynist con artist? I think what someone like Tate does is he normalizes misogyny. I think he makes it seem socially acceptable. I think he wraps up in a discourse of rationality. This is just the way that the world is. This is just the way that people are. I really try and base my worldviews on brutal realism. I try and be a realist, even if it's hard to be a realist. And I don't think that we can say that the men that engage with this content are fundamentally misogynistic. It might be that through a, a process of repeated watchings, of engaging with his content, of posting up on forums about him or on Twitter or on YouTube comments or whatever, that they may be nudged towards these positions as misogynistic. But that's what a lot of radicalization looks like. It's, it's taking someone from one position and gradually moving them along that path of, of radicalization, extremist kind of viewpoints, where those viewpoints, which initially seemed extreme, become normalized. And so I think Tate represents, you know, the kind of one strategy, if you like, of, of that radicalization pathway to male supremacism. So the question then becomes, if not Andrew Tate, 
than what? We want to do better than this man. Where should young men be able to go if they want optimism and strength and attention to men's issues, if we can call them that, without the misogyny, without the hatred of women? Does that currently exist? And if so, where? And if it does not, where should it? So I think first and foremost, I would say that young men shouldn't be looking at social media personalities for you know, what it is to be a man. I think they're much better off looking within their local communities, their families, their friendship networks for emulating masculinities that they find, you know, supportive, nurturing, healthy places for young men to meet other men that they can look up to, that they can be mentored by. I think for those young men, you know, who are really struggling with their own sense of masculinity and what it is to be a man, things like counselling can be really helpful. And I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with seeking those kinds of forms of support out. As far as the manosphere goes, you know, I, I have hopes, not high hopes, but but some hopes, I think, of, of what a more progressive kind of manosphere might look like, um, one that's kind of free of the misogyny and anti-feminist kind of stance that we see in a, in a lot of manosphere spaces. Whether that will actually come to pass is an open question, but I think Tate sells this really romanticised and to me quite superficial idea of what it is to be a man. I know loads of men, I don't know anybody who acts or talks or behaves like Andrew Tate. <laughs> I think Tate is a, a Hollywood form of masculinity, but it's one that, you know, is as deep as a puddle. There's no substance. The men that, that I look up to, you know, people like my dad, um, teachers that I had in school, instructors that I had when I was in, you know, my youth groups, those are the men that have, you know, given me the biggest lessons of my life. Those are the men that I will continue to look up to and, and learn from. And I think that there's men out there um, like that, that other young men can aspire to be like and, and look up to and learn from and be guided by. But I don't think Andrew Tate is the one that we should be putting up on a pedestal. Today's episode was produced by Avishai Artsy. It was edited by Amina El Sadi and engineered by Paul Robert Mounsey. It was fact-checked by Serena Solon. I'm Noelle King. It's Today Explained. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.